to the Rock Your Best Life podcast. On this podcast, I bring you information, education, advice, and tips from healthcare professionals, scientists, doctors, and everyday people who have changed their lives and health through diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes and are now rocking their best lives. Join me on this journey to rock your best life. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice, as I am not a qualified healthcare provider. The information presented on this podcast is for educational purposes only. Rock Your Best Life and Rock and Rosa Wellness are not qualified to provide medical advice. Please consult your own physician or provider with any medical issues that you may be experiencing. This disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors of this podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm so excited for this interview today with Laura Spath. Um, But first, I need to update you guys. Um, As you know, it was my birthday on um, June 8th, which was on this last Tuesday. Um, And I turned 42. And I felt amazing, um, you know, didn't really celebrate anything too big, um, you know, because it was during the week. Um, but I did have a nice, you know, salmon, fresh salmon dinner um, and with my family. And then, oh my gosh, you guys, my world has turned upside down because of one of my birthday presents. So the next day, the day after my birthday, my husband has been keeping a secret from me for a little bit. Um, He's been telling me, oh my gosh, you're never going to guess what your birthday present is. And I, you know, of course, I like surprises. So I like, I'm patient. I can wait. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea. I mean, he's always surprising me with something. (laughs) Um, But anyway, um, I could tell he really wanted to tell me. But I just kept telling him, nope, I don't want to know. And he was, you know, even the day before, he was like, I want to show you this picture. Do you want to see your birthday present? And I was like, um, no, I think I can wait. Yeah, I can wait. So anyway, the next day, because he told me it was going to be arriving uh, that day, you know, um, I I went to work like usual. Um and I was on a drive, and I was coming back through kind of by my house anyway. And he's like, oh, your birthday present's here. So I, he's like, you should stop by. You should see it. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I have some time. I can do that. Um, so I did. I stopped by, and I walked through the door, and he is holding this cutest little puppy. It looked like a bear. Um this cutest little chocolate lab, and it is so little, and I was crying, you guys. And I was, I said um, to him, I said, oh, my God, whose puppy is that? And and I knew, you know, that was my present. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's my puppy. Um, he's like, it's your puppy. And I was just, I was overjoyed. I was so happy. But you know that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. My life's about to change. So that's what happened. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) having a puppy is a lot of work and, you know, you have to wake up early and, um, and we have a dog. We have a 10 year old Brindle Pitbull mix and she has been really great. We, you know, we weren't really sure how she was going to react. Um, I thought she'd probably do fine. Um, and so she's been so gentle with the new puppy. And um, we've been going on walks every morning and in the evening. And, and what's really nice is I do have a day job where I can, you know, I can take this new puppy with me wherever I go. Um, I have a really active job. So I'm, I'm always out in the community, always going on walks and hikes. Um with the client that I work with. Um, and so just really active, you know, so it's perfect for, you know, a lab. Um, and it's summertime. So, you know, we get to go to the river, we get to go to the lake, we get to go on, you know, all these fun adventures. And he is so little and cute. (laughs) Um, so if you haven't already go check out my Instagram, I have 
some pictures of him up there in my Facebook page. Um, and so, I mean, as you can probably guess, some things have been put a little bit on hold because I've just been so busy and, you know, this is going to be kind of, you know, another life uh, learning lesson. You know, I haven't been getting much sleep. Um, <laughs> and, but you know what? We're having so much fun with it. Um, and, and I'm just so happy right now. <laughs> yes, puppies make me happy. Um, but I have been actually wanting, a, a, you know, a new dog. We've been kind of wanting a new dog for a little while. Because, um, you know, not that we don't, you know, enjoy our, um, our old girl, but she really can't do a lot of the things that she could, you know, anymore. Um, but she is actually getting a little better, you know. Um, she has some issues with her hips and her, and her back legs get really stiff and sore. And, and she's actually a 10-year-old uh, Brindle Pitbull mix. I'm not sure if I shared that yet. But she's great. Um... And, you know, they've been going, the puppy and her have been going through some learning curves, and you know. But you know what? It's good. It's good for the whole family. It's good for the puppy. Um, and the puppy's name is Dutch. And he is um, a purebred uh, chocolate lab. Um, my husband got him from a breeder over in Iowa. Um, and a friend of his, you know, um, went and picked him up. And so this is, you know, he had a big journey <laughs> to get here. So the first night he slept really well. Um, so, cause yeah, he, he was out and about and I was taking him everywhere and, um, and yeah, he had a big journey. So he slept really well, but the second night he, yeah, I didn't sleep so well. So I was up all night with him. You know, he woke up at like one in the morning and. Um, and then, yeah, we struggled to get back to sleep and all that stuff. Um, but it's, it's been going better. And so I was able to get some sleep. I do have some help with my husband, from my husband. Um, and you know, we're just getting into our routine. And so, yeah, I'm going to, you know, have to put a few things in the back burner for a little bit. Um, I'm sorry. I apologize. I haven't been able to. Put out my newsletter for the past, you know, few weeks or so. Um, I'm going to try and get back on that. Um, I'm also, you know, going to be working a little more on, you know, on, you know, through my day job and all that, um, which, you know, happens sometimes and we just got to kind of roll with it. And I, and I love it. I love what I do. Um, and, you know, I just hope I can find the time in between all of this you know, to still kind of work a little bit on my coaching business and help people because that really is my passion. And I'm trying to get, you know, some more interviews lined up for you guys. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, the direction I'm going to go with this podcast is going to be, you know, probably doing a little more solo um, cast once a week. And I really can't you know, commit to twice a week anymore. <laughs> I tried, but you know, honestly, that is not going to be doable. You know, sometimes I might throw one in there if I can, uh, maybe give you guys some updates. Um, but you know, honestly, I really have to do with, you know, I just have to do with what I think I can, you know, commit to. And, you know, right now I'm, you know, like I said, I'm trying to line up some more, um, interviews, um, with some expert guests. And I, you know, I'm working on scheduling with people. I do have one set up, um, and, you know, that one won't come out um, probably till later this month. But I do have one set up with Mary Roberts, um, and you know her on, you know, you may know her on Instagram as Keto Mary. Um, if you don't, you can look her up. But she... Um, she is somebody that I can't wait to talk to, um, you know, because she works with, you know, a lot of her clients um, with, you know, food addiction um, and, you know, emotional eating. And uh, that is something I really want to dive into. And then, of course, she has an amazing story herself. And I know that I've struggled with that, with food addiction and, you know, binge eating and, you know, all that stuff is related um, 
though you know it's not all the same so there's different you know there's different things with each you know that we struggle with but I can't wait to dive into all those things with Mary um so yeah that'll be later this month um and you know trying to just sit down you know get scheduling with people and myself has been you know a little difficult but I want to, you know, just reach out to you guys, uh, my listeners. Um, if you have a, an incredible health story um, or you know somebody that has like this amazing health story with, you know, either low carb, keto or, you know, a meat based diet or, you know, even an ancestral diet, <laughs> um, I want you to um, reach out to them or reach out to me and I want to interview you. I want to interview you. So, um, yeah, if you have an amazing story, just email me and or message me on Instagram. I am at Rock and Rosa Wellness and or you can email me at my website at rockandrosawellness.com. Um, or on Facebook, I am Rosa Stockton, and I uh, do have a page over there um, at Rockin' Rosa Wellness. Um, yeah, just just reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. I, I want to sit down with you. I want to get into all the nitty gritty, um, you know, how you changed your life, because really it does come down to you. You are the one in charge of your life. You are the one in charge of determining how you feel each day when you wake up. Um, <laughs> and and you know what? Um, life is a journey, but I want you to, to move in the direction of feeling better, of rocking your best life. And... Um, I can't wait to talk to you and share your story. Um, so I'm excited for this episode today. I sat down with uh, Laura, um, Laura Spath, and we talked about her journey, and she has an incredible journey. Um, she lost over, you know, 120 pounds with this meat-based diet, um, meat-based carnivore diet, and she, you know, is very candid about her struggles along the way. You know, she's not perfect. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, right? We struggle. Some people just don't talk about it. Um, and she's very candid. You know, I love her Instagram. Um, and she's over at Laura Spath um, on Instagram. And I love her YouTube channel. She shares so many fun videos on there. Um, but she's just real and honest. And I think it's amazing that she, um, you know, has her family um, their lives have changed. Her mom has an incredible story. Her husband, um, they've all lost so much weight, you know, together and they're healthy and they're feeling vibrant and they have, you know, reversed all these chronic health conditions. I mean, they basically have saved their own lives. Um, and I know it's possible, you know, to make these changes, but I know that it can be hard for some people. We struggle, you know, but, you know, not giving up, that is the big, you know, takeaway from all of this. You know, even though you struggle, um, the end result, the end, you know, mission or journey is, you know, well worth it. And so I hope you love this interview today. I will, of course, keep you guys updated on my puppy journey here. Um, Dutch is amazing. Um, our family is so blessed. Um, you know, we're doing well, um, just trying to figure out the whole sleep situation, um, you know, and we'll get there. Um, growing pains, of course. Um, sleep is very important. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, what I, um, you know, it's kind of like I have to take my own advice now. <laughs> oh, I'm always telling my clients, get your sleep. And if you don't get your sleep, do not, you know, don't fast, don't, uh, you know, overexercise. And, and so, yes, I've, I've been taking my own advice. Um, I don't push myself too hard um, with that stuff if I don't get enough sleep because sleep is really at the foundation of everything. Um, so anyway, I hope you enjoyed this interview today and I will talk to you in the next episode and rock your best life.
Okay, welcome back to the Rock Your Best Life podcast. With me today, I have Laura Faith. I think I'm saying that right. It's pretty <laughs> um, close, yeah. Okay, Faith, um, um, and she has an incredible story of healing um, with the carnivore diet, meat-based diet. Um, and she is an amazing person to watch on Instagram and YouTube. I just love all her cooking, her cooking tutorials um and life tutorials and and all that stuff so welcome laura thank you thanks for having me yeah of course so is it is it space or spath it's spath yeah so i didn't even realize my all my handles are like laura e which have my middle initial spath i had created them all long before i was doing just like as my personal accounts, just with my full name, but it kind of looks like Laura's path. Um, and so when you, oh. so most people who find me think that it said Laura's path. Um, oh, I love that. I path. love that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, both, can... both work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so we'll just start with, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what was your life before, you know, um, changing your diet and, you know, um, like what's your, what was your health story? Sure. So I, um, really briefly going all the way back to, as a kid, I grew up in a really rural part of Indiana. Um, we didn't have processed foods. I never had soda. My mom was like made homemade bread. We grew our own vegetables, like very clean whole foods based diet. Uh, and it wasn't until my, I was 15, my parents got divorced and we started eating a lot more packaged food at the time, you know, the like box pasta mix and the hamburger helpers, uh, and things like that. So I started gaining weight kind of right around 15, 16. Uh, and then I went to college at 18 and had access to fast food and, um, you know, processed food and restaurants. And I could go to Taco Bell at two in the morning every night. I lived across the street from a Taco Bell for a while. Uh, and I started drinking sodas and donuts. And I used to stop every morning and get a white powdered hostess donuts and a giant diet Coke, uh, for breakfast every morning. And then usually sometimes the day ended with like two in the morning going to Taco Bell. And so I very quickly gained a tremendous amount of weight, uh, in college, And then that kind of started my cycle of like kind of on the rails or off the rails, I guess, or on the wagon and off the wagon. And I pretty much spent the next 10 years or more, probably closer to 15 years, like either on a diet or completely off the rails. And when I'm saying off the rails, it's like, you know, the height of my poor eating was stopping for Chick-fil-A for breakfast and then stopping at a gas station to grab my snacks for the day for work. And I would start snacking around nine o'clock, you know, once the Chick-fil-A breakfast wore off a couple hours later, I would snack until lunch. I would go out for lunch, usually fast food or some kind of restaurant for lunch. In the afternoon, I would need like a treat or something to get me through that two o'clock crash. I would go home and eat dinner, usually something like pasta or veggies and meat and potatoes and bread and spaghetti and all that kind of stuff, like tons of processed foods and carbs. And then obviously like at night I needed to have more food. And so I needed dessert and usually finished my day with like a pint of ice cream. And so that was a pretty, like over the years, I did that routine a lot, like pretty Mm -hmm. much nonstop eating all the time. Um, and that was like a normal day. And then I also would go on a diet, which is where then I would try to replace all of those things with obviously what I thought was healthy foods and you know, what I thought was healthy foods over the years changed, you know, tried low calorie, just eating Mm -hmm. salads and grilled vegetables and rice. And I tried a vegan diet for a while, living on quinoa and roasted vegetables and spinach smoothies. Um, and I tried different variations of low carb along the way. So I would always lose 20, 30 pounds and then celebrate with a cheat day like, yeah, I lost 20 pounds. Now let's take a break and have a cheat day, something completely terrible. And then I would never be able to get back on track again and gain, gain all that weight back. And usually plus more. Um, so I kind of, over the years that I got married, I had two kids. It's so obviously like w- uh, gained a lot of weight, lost a lot of weight with both kids. Um, and kind of ended up at 263 pounds was my heaviest oh, wow. weight, uh, ever. Yeah. 
So that was all before. Uh, so either like I was either like usually I was always on a diet, but then I also mm-hmm. was like off the rails quite a bit at the time. Um, and when you were at your heaviest, um, was were there any kind of health issues you were having at all? I mean, did you feel fine just just bigger or did it kind of interrupt anything in your life? So I started having a lot of health issues, which is kind of what had me hit rock bottom a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was pre-diabetic and my mm-hmm. chart, my medical chart, looking back on it now, my A1C and I was labeled pre-diabetic, but my doctor never told me that, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so I never was actually told that I was, but when I look back now, I see that I was, um, yeah. I had a torn, my meniscus and my, I torn, a, my had knee surgery from a torn meniscus, um, mainly because I just was so heavy and my knee was giving out from having to carry that weight around all the time. You know, that's mm-hmm. an injury that usually football players get, but I just was so yeah. heavy that I needed that repair. So that knee pain, knee surgery and recovery was really difficult and at the same time, I started having issues with, um, my gallbladder. I mm. was had like an ultrasound done. I had some gallstones. I started having issues with, uh, digestive issues and hemorrhoids and all kinds of really terrible things. I started seeing a colorectal specialist to talk about having some like major intestinal surgery repair. Um, oh, wow. I, I definitely needed it at the time. That was a huge thing for me, but I, they explained the recovery to me and like how long I would have to be out of work, um, to recover from those types of surgeries. And I just literally couldn't afford to not go to work that long. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I just didn't know how it would be possible. So like all of those things kind of were accumulating at the same time was my knee, my gallbladder, my stomach, my digestive issues. Like I had just had one surgery. It was possible. I was going to need my gallbladder taken out soon. My, I was going to need some sort of like intestinal hemorrhoid repair surgery. Um, and then, you know, just talking to my OB about my hormone levels and my thyroid and like everything started just completely falling apart all at the same time. And I was my heaviest. I was exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just everything kind of just steamrolled all at once. It felt like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that, unfortunately that sounds kind of like a common, a lot of those issues are kind of like common now. Cause I know yeah. that's what led me to my health journey. It was really all digestive issues, you know? <laughs> um, and some of those things that you mentioned, I was suffering from too. Um, but did now, how did like some of that stuff, did it affect you mentally or did it affect like any of your relationships like with friends or, or, you know, your, your husband or anything like that? (laughs) Um, you know what, my husband and I were always kind of on and off track together. And so this is kind of the terrible thing is that my relationships were really good around food because, um, we would, I mean, eating with people is fun and being a hot mess with your friends is kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. So like I had yeah. coworkers who I would go to lunch with every day and then we would all go out for ice cream at two in the afternoon. And I had friends who like, when I'm a hot mess, then they got to be better and try to help yeah. me if that makes sense, you know? No, so like, no, it does. I do have a friend who, once I finally got my crap together, Mm-hmm. our friendship kind of fell apart and I couldn't figure out why. Mm-hmm. And, and over time I realized it's because like, wait a second, I wasn't this hot mess who was reaching out to her for help anymore because I wasn't on this terrible emotional food roller coaster. And she didn't really like that anymore because she like, didn't like the fact that I was kind of like getting myself together a little bit, you know? Yeah. I, I totally hear you. <laughs> I know I, you know, I, I had the same thing with some friends too, and even just coworkers and people around me when I started just, um, trying to get healthier and do what, you know, made me feel good. It seemed like everyone kind of wants to sab- either sabotage you yes. or, or they just, it's like, they don't, I don't know that they don't want well for you, but yeah, um, it is so socially acceptable to eat terribly. Right. And it's very socially acceptable to binge eat, to binge drink in a lot of ways, to eat 
to celebrate, to say YOLO, to say, I don't, people don't say YOLO anymore, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. To say self-care is I'm going to have ice cream and a glass of wine. Like all of those things are very socially acceptable. And I could mm-hmm. eat literally all day long, mm-hmm. processed foods and junk and go out for ice cream every single day. And nobody said anything, but then all of a sudden I switched my diet and then people get concerned that I have an eating disorder because I'm doing intermittent fasting or I just don't eat for a day. I'm like, you watched me eat 10,000 calories a day for how many years? And nobody said anything, but now, because I just happened to skip a day of eating, everybody's all of a sudden concerned. Like, I think I say this often, but it has so much more to do with them and their own insecurities about your change and your improvement of yourself than it does with the change at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, I kind of experienced the same thing too, because I also um, am a recovering alcoholic too. Oh, yeah. I've quit that a few times and I would always go to food to uh, kind of replace that, I guess. But then I always had issues with you know, I had really bad reactions to certain foods, a lot of food sensitivities. And, and so it was like, oh my gosh, you know, you can't win. (laughs) Right. So I'm sure a lot of your relationships changed and just like, obviously all of your habits and relationships change with eliminating all the alcohol and all the food completely. Yeah. And I, you know, what was really sad um, is that I would get bullied at work and like be made fun of because I didn't know what to eat for a while. I was, I would say I was more like a whole foods kind of keto approach um, for like a number of years. And I was, I would either eat salads or I would either crave vegetables or it would be meat. Mm -hmm. And so people would see me eating a big salad. And then the next day they would see me eating meat, but they wouldn't say anything about the meat. They would just say, oh, look at the rabbit, you know, she's eating (laughs) her salad again. Um, but it, yeah, it's a hard road when, you know, it's like, people don't really understand what you're going through. Right. When you're um, the only person not eating a donut, they think that it's, yeah. that you have so much self-control and somehow it's a judgment on them and their lack of self-control when it really has nothing to do with anybody. Like, you know, obviously that's everybody's own view of that they're the center of everything. We all do that. Um, but when just because yeah. I'm not eating a donut, first of all, it doesn't mean that I have self-control. If anything, it means I have no self-control and I can't not eat five donuts. Yeah. Um, and then it also doesn't have anything to say about what you should or shouldn't be doing. Like, it's just simply that this is the choice I'm making for myself. Well, yeah. And that's what, you know, um, I always, I always have an issue at parties and at work. Like I would be the only one not eating these certain foods, like certain, like I would eat the cake. I wouldn't eat the ice cream because like you said, like I can't um, control myself. I could have a bite of cake and I'd want to eat the whole thing. Right. And I would feel like crap if I even ate one bite. So <laughs> it's torture um, then at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I did struggle with a little bit of, you know, um, binge eating too, like an addictive habits, um, after, you know, just trying to really improve my health for so long. Um, but, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that too. Um, what, you know, what do you think kind of led to your, uh, you know, binge a little bit of binge eating addictive kind of behaviors with food? You know, I wish I knew to say like, this was the trigger or this was the trauma, but I think it really is just, uh, um, number one, I think that more than anything, the food is addictive. There are things in those processed foods that are highly addictive. Uh, and that is how I think a lot of it started. And I think that I was introduced to those foods around the same time that I was going through puberty. And so then, Mm -hmm. and kind of for emotional reasons, like experiencing, you know, divorce. And I had a a brother that, that died and, And so kind of like using uh, processed foods to deal with stress and grief starts uh, a habit and a ritual and some kind of coping mechanisms. Uh, And then more than anything, those foods are really addictive. And so you use it, you might use it for stress one day, but I don't have Mm -hmm. to be stressed to eat or to binge or to do something bad. Like I can just be happy or I can be bored, uh, all of those different things. And so while I do think those were a, you know, the 
kind of just hard things you go through in your life are a contributing factor. I also think one of the biggest contributing factors is just the addictive nature of the foods in general. Oh yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they have, they spend billions of dollars, don't they? Yeah. Um, developing um, the right formula, like what is it? Salt, fat, sugar. Um, yeah. Sugar. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They know what they're doing um, and they're getting everybody addicted. And then one of the things I noticed um, when, when I, it's like you have this aha moment, you know, when you realize all of these things around us are kind of subconsciously um, almost like brainwashing us to eat those foods. Cause like I I hadn't watched TV for a while and, um, (laughs) and then I was like, every commercial is targeted, you know, um, towards like all this fast food and all these sweet treats and, Mm -hmm. and, um, even like, you know, I have a 13 year old son and I, you know, I'm the bad mom. I don't let him go to fast food places and I haven't since he was born. And because I didn't want him in that, you know, addictive, you know, habit of, of doing that. Um, so it's kind of all around us. (laughs) Yeah. I, I watch TV, but I don't watch commercials usually. And literally yesterday, the kids and I just happened to be watching something that had commercials and live Mm -hmm. TV, which we, I don't think my kids have really ever seen commercials because they're so spoiled with Netflix and stuff. But um, every commercial was like the, the, channel came on and my five and seven year old were like, pizza, I want pizza, Sonic, I want Sonic, Popeyes, what's Popeyes, that looks good. And then in between all those food commercials was, or candy, candy commercials, in between all of those was prescription medication commercials. Uh, And so that was kind of the only thing we saw was, you know, sweet tarts and Popeyes and um, prescription medication. I know. Oh my gosh. It's so bad. I know. And actually I used to work at a pharmacy and I, I, well, the, that's why I left because I just can advocate right. for, at the time I was, I was being woke. <laughs> I can advocate for things that I just didn't um, believe in or, so, I mean, there's a, there's a place of course yeah. for some, but I saw a lot of people that I help, you know, that I would be waiting on. Um, they, they just look so sickly and just dependent on all these right. medications. So sad. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess let's kind of move forward a little bit and what what kind of led you to I know you did a little bit of a keto approach for a little bit. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and then eventually carnivore. So so just like walk us through that. Like what what happened first, I guess. <laughs> so I didn't never heard of carnivore, and so I knew, you know, I had watched the magic pill movie, which is like the mm-hmm. keto movie that came out a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. and I watched that and was like, I'm very easily convinced to do anything. I'm not going to lie. Like oh. <laughs> I watched the vegan documentary forks over knives, like several, many years ago and decided I was going to be vegan. So like you make a movie about it, like I'll be pretty, I'm pretty gullible. And so, um, <laughs> I watched the magic pill movie and I was like, okay, now this is it. Like, this is what I got to do. I got to be keto and do low carb. And so my husband and I started doing a low carb diet. And he had diabetes. And so that was really helpful for us. Like we knew he had to cut out sugar and carbs and, um, I felt better. We both started losing weight. And so I just thought it was a weight loss diet, another weight loss plan. And kind of over time, I had originally started with eating some more keto processed foods, but over time I was cutting out a lot of those processed foods, uh, and sticking with more whole foods, keto, but I still was having some vegetables and some nuts. Um, and around that same time, we heard about Dr. Jason Fung. Oh yeah. Yeah. Learned a lot about fasting. And so that was really, you know, to regulate blood sugar, we knew we needed to do some fasting. And so this was like, that was a light bulb moment for me of, I don't have to eat all day long, three meals a day plus snacks, um, to keep my metabolism up. Right. Like I, the learning that was this huge like moment. And I think in some ways, results are addicting and knowledge is addicting. And so when you start having results on something, then you start digging into learning more and more about it. And then that becomes addicting. And so it fills up your time. It gives you purpose. It gives you energy and drive. And so, you know, I really went down this rabbit hole of learning about fasting and low carb and, you know, over time, which just was cutting out more and more of the processed foods. And then 
going down this rabbit hole of looking for knowledge is what led us to carnivore um, and, and hearing about the carnivore diet. Yeah, I can relate a lot to that. <laughs> well, cause I think we just like, um, we want to know answers. Like if it's not, if we're not feeling well, yeah. things, things are not working. We have to find answers. And I think that's where a lot of people probably found a lot of, you know, the, the carnivore diet or meat-based diet. Um, I do be- think though, that most people want one person to tell them everything that they need to know. And I yeah. think, um, you know, I think unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Right. Mm-hmm. I had to find and listen to 20, there's 20 people on the list of names that I could say contributed to me getting my health together and putting my weight in, in line and getting my aha moments and giving me all of these things. Like there's a lot of people on that list. There's not yeah. one person that I mirror exactly in how they do anything. And I had to like kind of piece together and it's more about like learning all the tools and then, you know, making it all work for you. And so I do think that's one of the good and bad things is that sometimes that can be confusing for people to hear my story and then hear somebody Mm -hmm. else's story. Who's very differently when I'm telling you fasting and all these things work and somebody else is telling you that they don't, Mm -hmm. who are you supposed to believe? And I think you have to don't listen to me. You have to go backwards and find who are the people that are giving you all the scientific information about it and learn all of those things and then implement it in a way that's going to be right for you. It just takes a lot more work than what most people are willing to do. Most people are wanting a quick fix and for somebody just to give them a checklist that they can check off and fix themselves. And unfortunately it doesn't really work that way. No, I I really think you have to be your own scientist and advocate and you have to like, you have to experiment like, you know, maybe, and that's why it gets really confusing in like the keto carnivore space sometimes. Uh, well, just the whole diet space is like, okay, this worked for Sally, but I'm gaining weight. Right. Um, or I don't, my hair's falling out. I don't feel good. Um, I'm having digestive issues. And, and, and that's kind of what led me to now I, I did a carnivore diet for like a year and then I started slowly adding a few vegetables in, um, here and there. And so some days I'm carnivore, full carnivore. And then some days I'm kind of more ketovore, you know, Yeah. but I, I'm, I'm okay with that because I, I feel really good and I've healed a lot of yes. digestive issues. Um, but I, and I think that sometimes it does get a little bit, you know, like dogmatic, because um, sometimes, you know, this way of life works so well for some people. Um, and they just think this is how everybody has to do it. Like everyone has to yep. just eat meat, drink water, salt. <laughs> right. Or no salt. Or, one, or, or, one of the or two. No salt. <laughs> yeah. But I think you said it great of like, you have to be your own scientist and do experiments, but you also have to be your own research scientists. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do your own research and doing your own research. Isn't listening to people like me telling you what works for me. Doing your own research is like reading that stack of books that's behind you, listening to people <laughs> like Dr. Jason Fung, Ben Bickman, Ted Naiman, Judy Cho, like listening to Dr. Barry, like all of these people who write all of this excellent knowledge mm-hmm. um, and information and, and have all the the research out there of what's you have to be able to take a look at that yourself and interpret it and not expecting somebody else to do that interpretation for you. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, so for some people, they need to like, you know, work with a coach. Um, is that something you would ever consider doing? You know, I yeah, haven't because you've had success, like coaching <laughs> other people or, <laughs> You know, I haven't uh, thought about it and I don't do it at all um, Mm -hmm. for several reasons. One, more than anything, I just feel like I don't really have myself quite figured out yet. And I don't think that I'm qualified enough to be giving other people advice when I am still looking for some years of long-term consistency behind me. I don't have that yet, to be honest. Um, I still don't know what the right thing to do is. And so... Mm -hmm. I definitely think that's not something I'm, um, in a place that I'm ready for or, uh, qualified to do. Uh, I don't have any experience or knowledge or research other than like my own personal life. And so, uh, I don't think that's something I can share, but also more than anything, you know, I work 
a full-time corporate job. I work 60 hours a week in a corporate world. I'm a mom. Um, you know, I have a, a family. And so it's also not something I try to do stuff on social media regularly. It's yeah. also just not something that I have time for. And so rather than doing individual coaching sessions, I would, if I have the time, I'd rather spend time with my family or devote that time to maybe a, make a YouTube video and where I could hopefully help more people um, and use my time kind of that way. But those are kind of the, I guess the two reasons, like, I don't think I'm qualified, but I also just maybe don't have the time to put into that. Um, really? Oh yeah. No, that totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see what other questions I had for you today. Um, so how, how do you approach your diet right now? So right now is probably different than how I've done it for most of the time. So it's been, I've been carnivore for three years and for the first two and a half years, I just did like one meal a day, um, 20. So I did a 24 hour fast every day, one really big meal a day, mostly meat, uh, pretty much. I mean like all meat and, uh, maybe some cheese in that meal, but it really strict one meal a day. And then a lot of fasting 48 hour fasts here and there mm -hmm. right now. I'm, I go back and forth between one and two meals. I try to say like I'm eating two meals, but sometimes I just end up eating so much for lunch that I'm not hungry for dinner. So I incorporate a lot more variety of meats when I spent the first couple of years doing mainly beef, like 90% beef and maybe another shrimp every once in a while, or a little bit of stuff. I think right now, partly because of the beef prices, but also partly because of, um, just trying to keep some variety in my diet. I eat a lot of different kinds of meat right now. So chicken and pork and, um, shrimp beef, obviously, um, I bake it as obviously pork, but I eat a lot of eggs. I eat more eggs now than I really did in the last several years. Mm -hmm. So I would say I try to do two meals a day, but I, about half the time I end up doing one meal. And then about the other half of the time I end up doing two right now. Um, I still like to incorporate fasting. I think that it's really important and healthy for you to do a 48 hour fast occasionally. How mm -hmm. often is based on your goals or your needs, um, how much you want to lose weight, the more weight you want to lose. I think the more often you could do it, but I think even if you're not trying to lose weight at all, it still is good to incorporate a fast of longer than 24 hours, um, occasionally to give your body a break for some good digestion to keep those ketones up. Um, but I think that for the most part, I don't worry about being super strict on that. I just, I am careful about how often I eat because I know that's my biggest trigger is just kind of grazing and snacking. And I, I make sure to not do that very often. Yeah. <laughs> what now what's the longest fast you've ever done? So I have done seven days. Yeah. Um, I've done that a couple times, but I personally didn't find any more benefits out of seven days mm -hmm. than I did out of like maybe 72 hours or mm -hmm. it's, it's not that it's, it's just, there's, you know, it took longer to kind of get used to eating again. Um, but as far as like long-term benefits, I personally would rather do like every other day. So a 48 hour fast, skip a day at 40 eat, like I would rather do a bunch of 48 hour fast close together than do seven days, uh, again, like those yeah. are things I think people should only do once or twice a year at most, if they're going to do something that long, but I like doing, you know, a 72 hour fast occasionally, but not very often. And, uh, yeah, I did a seven, a seven day one, like a couple years ago <laughs> yeah. and then, and then last, and I was going to, I'm going to try and do one like once a year, but I know last year when I did it, it seemed a bit harder for me for some reason. Well, I think that too, I truly, the thinner that you get, the harder that that is because your body doesn't have as many fat stores to be pulling from. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, if the thinner you are, the longer you may not want to, but I think doing frequent shorter fasts is almost as beneficial. It depends on what you're trying to heal, but it's almost as beneficial as doing this massively long fast. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think I just started doing some, um, just throwing in like a 24 hour one yeah. in there. And then I'm going to work back up because yeah, for a while I was kind of listening to other people 
Um, <laughs> and, and I was kind of second guessing myself. I had been fasting here and there, you know, um, and I, yeah, I've been listening to other people saying that it was like bad for me and maybe, oh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't fast and maybe I should eat more. So I was right. doing that and I actually was just kind of feeling worse, you know? Right. <laughs> and so that's why I feel really good fasting, you know, fasted. I feel like I can accomplish more. I even right. work out. I work out fasted. And um, I do think the downside to fasting is that sometimes people get a little competitive with it or one up each other, like 48, yeah. 72, three days, five days, seven days. Like, I think that's where it can get unhealthy, which is why mm-hmm. I think, you know, I don't try to encourage people to do a seven day fast. Like you need to be very specific reasons and it needs to be very specific timing for you in your life. Like I wouldn't say to a group personally now, like, Hey, let's all do this to get, cause I don't know what they're, or they have to make that decision for themselves. Right. I think yeah. that there's pretty much everybody in my opinion, again, I'm not an expert in my opinion. Um, pretty much everybody could benefit from an occasional 48 hour fast and feel yeah. great doing it. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what now, what do you, um, what would you say to somebody who is maybe looking at your story and even, you know, my story or a way of eating and saying that it's harmful to the environment and it's even harmful to humans. Like we shouldn't be, we should not be eating all this meat. Um, we're going to die. We're going to have a coronary. <laughs> um, what would you say to somebody? You know, I, I don't even entertain those conversations, to be honest. Like if somebody at work completely out of this space, uh, said something to me like that, I would just say like, wow, I hope not. Like, I hope I'm not wrong. Like (laughs) I'm really not, uh, I'm not going to be the person to send them articles and to try to convince them or change their mind in any way. Mm -hmm. It's just not what I'm going to do. I know that my mind is not going to be changed by the comments and the articles they're sending me. And they're saying, you know, you can find stuff to kind of validate anything that you believe out there. And so I'm certainly not going to, um, so I'm, I'm just not going to entertain those conversations, especially from an online space. Like when the vegans come find your channels and stuff and like go a little crazy Mm -hmm. on all your stuff. Like I just ignore it or block them or something, um, in real life you know, if somebody thinks fasting is a eating disorder or, you know, I, my mom thought that for a little while and I sent her some research and stuff. And obviously she came around and and learned. So there's people like my mom that I would care to have those conversations with and want Mm -hmm. to incorporate. If I have a random coworker who just tells me that I'm going to have a heart attack someday, like, I don't really know why I would be talking about that with them. You know, I try to, I try to avoid a lot of those conversations. Like it's not my job to go around and convert people. I think people are going to come around when they're ready to, and they'll come ask me questions when they're ready, which does happen quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as like my own personal perspective, I know like from an environmental standpoint, most cows end up being, um, you know, give back more to the earth and the nutrients. And there's, you know, we, we, I think the fact of like cows causing, the global warming has been debunked that it's actually a very small percentage of those things. And it also gives back to the soil and to the ground. You know, we're not raising cattle in places where you should be growing crops and grains. We're not taking away farmland for raising cows. Those cows are being raised in places where you can't really grow a lot of crops anyway. And I think that, I think that the message of monocropping and raising all these crazy organic vegetables everywhere all throughout the world and flying them all over the place. Like, I think that's getting to be a point where it's debunked, where Mm -hmm. raising mass amounts of crops and things for these, you know, beyond burgers and stuff. Anybody in our space in this diet, keto carnivore space understands and knows that that's way worse for the environment than Mm -hmm. the one cow my family might eat over the course of a year or whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, And I guess as far as it being harmful for myself, you know, I think that, um, just, I I think I usually can debunk that just by, first of all, I don't, again, I'm not going to like, well, you don't have to eat this way is usually my response. If somebody's like, well, I don't have a heart attack. Like, don't worry. (laughs) My, my bacon is not causing your cholesterol to go up. Like you're fine. You don't worry about it. Um, but more than anything, I think I don't typically get a lot of those comments just because people have seen my results where Mm -hmm. I used to be obviously very obese and very, um, sick and, and had a lot of issues. And now I'm much healthier 
Um, and I think I, I think that definitely makes a big difference. And that's why usually people start asking questions is because they're like, wait a second, why aren't you having a heart attack? Like, why aren't you? Yeah. Let me ask you more questions about it. I agree. And then, like you said before, like doing the re you know, maybe telling them, well, go do your research or yeah. read a book. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because I actually, you know, there was a time when I was, I, you know, of course I didn't know. And so I was, I did the research too. And, and a lot more of it is coming out, you know, yeah. um, as far as, you know, some of, some of the research that was done, you know, what, 50 plus years ago was not, um, was not accurate. Right. <laughs> and, and we've based our whole like diet on, on that. And a lot of these myths, you know, from that. Yeah. I think the, you know, um, Dr. Barry says like the demonization of cholesterol is one of the, um, biggest downfalls, right. Or somehow he worded it. Like, it's just one of the biggest problems that we have in our society is the demonization of cholesterol. And I think that the more people learn about your total cholesterol number, not mattering and the ratios and your low triglycerides. And those things are what matters as far as a, a true health indicator, um, I think the doctors still have a long way to go to understand that information so yeah. that the masses can start understanding it. But, um, I think like you said, you know, the pharmaceutical companies have a, lot, a little too much say in what the doctors, uh, state and what the doctor's standards are. And so I do think we have a long way to go from that perspective. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, have now, have you gotten any tests done like recently or? You know what? It's been almost two years. The last time I had a big batch of blood work done was in 2019 in the fall, like October of 2019. And obviously then everything then was like a perfect carnivore. My triglycerides were like 60. My HDL was high. Um, mm -hmm. you know, my, um, everything else, my CRP numbers, everything else was perfect. Um, and so since then I just haven't got around to it. I actually emailed my doctor recently and said like, Hey, I haven't been back in a while. Can I get this list of blood work done? And I like listed off all these things mm -hmm. more so that I wanted to test just to kind of show people like, um, your folate and your cholesterol and your CR. And I listed all these different things and she emailed me back and was like, I don't really test those things where, and she kind of just doesn't really want to run a bunch of those tests. They're not things that people normally, um, run tests on. So I don't think she's going to do that. So I got to find another Avenue. I am interested yeah. though in getting a bunch of blood work done. I just don't know where to go yet to get that. Uh, I got to find somebody to order the specific tests that I want. Yeah. Um, so that I can give people like an accurate picture. Yeah. I know it's hard. I know I I'm lucky enough to where, um, my doctor knows exactly my diet and everything. She's pretty open. Um, but she did want to do like a, a panel like last year, and yeah, my, my cholesterol is high, um, but my um, triglycerides are like extremely low. Like I'm not in a bad way. <laughs> they're yeah. like 30, they're 35. And I thought that's that amazing. Was, yeah, I know. And I, and, and so she, you know, of course they recommend, oh, your cholesterol is high. And they, and um, on the report, they recommend eating, you know, less, you know, red meat, more vegetable oils. <laughs> Uh, and not, you know, I'm not worried about it and I'm not going to do any of those things. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think once you tell them, no, I don't want your statins. Thank you very much. And then you disappear for a while. Like then you come mm -hmm. back and you're like, okay, I want more blood work done. They're not really, she's not really that excited because I didn't take the medicine that um, they wanted me to take. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it, it's, you know, it's sad because they always re just recommend statins. They never ask you about your diet um, or anything else right. is always just the drug, you know? Yeah. And, and sometimes that causes more harm than good for people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I don't, what, what else would you like to tell us? <laughs> I guess, um, is there, uh, I'll, I'll let you go in a little bit here. Um, yeah. what is the overall message that you would like to get, you know, about your story, about your health journey? Um, you know, what would I you think, like to tell people? 
Yeah, I think more than anything, it's just finding, obviously finding what works for you. I think what everybody can agree on in all of these spaces is that nobody needs to be eating like processed foods and um, tons of carbohydrates and lots of sugars and seed oils and those things. You know, that's easy. I think that there are two different types of people. Um, there's the people who need to jump straight into the deep end and go strict carnivore of beef, salt and water and like detox from everything else. And then, you know, treat it like an elimination diet. And then maybe you can add things back in over time. But then there's also people who need to go more gradual. And if you want to start with keto and then kind of slowly cut things out over time uh, and get more strict and see how you feel when your weight loss stalls, then you add fasting kind of um, both of those options work great. There's not one right answer on what you need to do, but I think it's important that you kind of are honest with yourself about what you can handle. Like, are you saying that you're keto just so you can eat a bunch of keto treats mm-hmm. and then you're kind of blaming keto when you're not losing weight? Well, maybe we're eating too many treats over here. Or, um, you know, I think for some people having to go strict meat, salt, water would make them feel very overwhelmed and give up and then go back to their old diet and go off the rails. So, mm-hmm. um, I think I would have done that if I had gone from eating pizza and ice cream every day to strict beef, salt and water and fasting, I would have said like, forget this. Like I need to go, I, I'm never going to make it. And I never would have lasted this long. So I do feel best when I keep it pretty strict on just like meat and salt and f- water and cheese, a little bit, you know, cheese, but like just keeping it very strict carnivore is where I feel best, but I had to figure that out over time. And so, mm-hmm. um, just don't put too many rules on yourself in the beginning and, and kind of just take things, you know, one day at a time, if you mess up and eat something, it's not, you don't have to wait until the following Monday to get back on track again. You can simply, uh, start over the next day or whatever day that happens to be. And it doesn't, it's not a fail. It's just, you know, a little sidestep. Yeah, I agree. And um, if, if people are looking for, you know, I guess a community support, um, what would you recommend? You know, I love, I have met some amazing people in my local area through social media. And that's a really hard, weird thing to to figure out. I think you more than anything should plan a meetup in your area, pick the town that you live in, um, plan a meetup, tag some of us that have larger accounts. I will share your graphic in my stories and hopefully other people that live and you're part of, you know, wherever people live and meet local people. I think there's a great community online. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can meet people through online. However, I also think that sometimes that can feel very disconnected. And there's something really powerful about being able to just go to lunch and talk in person with somebody who eats the same way that you do. And most of us don't have that in real life. Yeah. And anybody that I do have, I've met through Instagram uh, and through this. So plan something. You don't have to have this massive following to plan something in your area. Let some of us you know, tag us in stories and we will try to share and help you get the word out. Other people can come and you'll be able to like build an actual community where you live. Uh, And then beyond that, you know, absorbing things online. If you need a coach, you know, find one who's going to help encourage you and support you. But uh, I think more than anything, there's a lot of uh, information out there and and free information out there that you can find. um, Read some, listen to a lot of podcasts you know, that's really where it took me down this rabbit hole. I think that's uh, a place where you can learn it and find, kind of find what works for you that way. Yeah, that's great advice. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's kind of what I did. You know, I just listened mm-hmm. to podcasts and, and honestly, I got kind of lost, you know, trying to find answers on, you know, on, you know, I guess Facebook, mostly <laughs> the groups. Yeah. I had to remove myself from some because it was just too much. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I agree. And more than anything, I think Instagram uh, is obviously where I spend a lot of time, but that should be, an yeah. edu- uh, that should be an entertainment source for you, not an education source for the most part. I think mm-hmm. there are great people on there who are doing great things, but I think there's also just a lot of us who are trying to be there for entertainment purposes. And yeah. so be aware of what that is. Right. And I think, I'm not discrediting anybody, but I am saying that um, just be aware of the credibility of the person that you're taking your advice from and uh, realize that people, people like me are there for entertainment purposes and hopefully encouragement. 
uh, and just to show you some examples of how you can eat this way and, and maybe some give you some ideas, but I am not there to, um, you know, educate you on what you should be doing for your health. So, um, yeah, I think too many people use that as their research, like yes. something like an Instagram is their research when in reality it should be there for entertainment and encouragement and motivation. Um, but find your research in other sources. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and and you not, have a, a, not a Facebook, uh, not a Facebook group either. Oh uh, God, no, <laughs> there is some, there is some good information out there. Yeah. Um, but I would say that it's too hard in the beginning to sift through all the bad information to find all the good information. Again, use it for entertainment, not for education. Yes. Yes. I agree. <laughs> and you have a podcast too. Um, I do. The, yeah. I love it. I love it so far. It's awesome. <laughs> with, Thank you. With um, Judy Cho, who I love too. And I loved her book. Um, and it's called Cutting Against the Grain. Yes. Um, and so I will put a link for that in the show notes here. And then I'll put a link of, you know, all your, um, your social media accounts as well. Thank so you. thank you so much for coming on, Laura. Um, yeah. and I, will talk, I will talk to you next time. Thanks for having me. If you enjoy or find value in this podcast, then please consider supporting Rock Your Best Life on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create great content. There are exclusive perks available, such as private consultations with me, early access to content, and so much more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash rockyourbestlife. Check the episode show notes for the link and I will see you there.